I thank God for mothers. I know you do too. You know, as we watch that little video, I'm reflecting the fact that uh, for years people told me to redeem the time, told me to make sure you make every minute count and spend that precious time with your family. And as my children were growing and graduating from high school and leaving home, I would have given everything to have another 24 hours, seven days a week with every one of them because it does go so quick. You know, but uh, God puts special people in our lives to make an impact on our lives. How grateful we each should be that mothers touch our lives in very, very precious ways, really beyond counting the way they touch our lives. The Bible says to honor our mothers. You know, most people, I believe, would agree that we need to honor our mothers. I was incredibly blessed with a mother that loved me. Uh, Until I met my wife, she was the single most godly woman I've ever known. And then God brought Amy in my life, and now to see her as a mother and see her as a mate, another very godly woman in my life. And both these women have impacted my life in incredible ways. One is a mom and one is a wife, but also the mother to our children. You know, and I want to be frank this morning, and I've shared this before too. You've heard me brag on my children from time to time as they've done achievements that I felt were worthy of uh, using as an illustration or using as a, a, a pointing towards God's blessings on our kids. But I want you to know this morning that Amy and I have made many mistakes as well. And I've said that repeatedly through the years because I didn't want you to think that my kids, as much as I think they're perfect, they're not perfect nor is their dad or their mother. But uh, we've made a number of mistakes through the years. But you know what? One of the things that happened in Amy's and my life early on, as we had our first child and our second and our third and fourth, we realized because of our connection to God that these children were a gift from God. God gave us these children. And you know what? I also came to realize, and Amy came to realize too, that our children are just on lease to us. Our children belong to God. And I want you to hear that this morning a number of times. And I believe some of the things that we're going to look at in God's Word this morning, I think they can impact you as a parent like nothing else. It's God's Word. It's not your pastor. It's not me, what I prepared here this morning. It's God's Word. And God's Word speaks in a powerful way that we might see our children grow and be everything that God wants them to be. Will they make mistakes along the way? Absolutely, mine did. Yours have, I'm sure, as well. But you know what? We plant those roots. We train up a child in a way he should go. And the Bible says when he's older, he will not depart from it. A lot of times our children do leave home and they kind of leave the church for a little while. But you know what? Because you've planted those roots, because they have that genuine, real relationship with God, because you've given your children to God, you know what? One day they're going to come back. 2008, when we did the one touch, you've heard this before, but it bears repeating this morning. The no, we knocked on 9,275 homes in this, in this 20-mile radius, invited them to come to church. And the number one comment we heard from the folks there in those, in those homes, many weren't going to church, but they said, you know what, I need to get back to church because I want my children to grow up and have what I had when I was at that point. They'd left the church, but they had children now, and they're going to come back, and many of them have come back to church. They've come to this church and other churches. God created our children. He designed them. Who knows best the plans that he has for them than him? Who knows best what they, he desires to do with them and the purpose that his children would have? 
our children, the ones he's given us, entrusted to us to raise. I want you to put this thought in your memory bank too. We raise our children to ultimately and eventually release them. It's a receive and release program with our children. And you need to raise your children. We need to raise our children with the essence of the thought of the end in, in, in mind. What we're going to do today is ultimately going to make that child's life one day be a life that glorifies God. And so our every endeavor in raising our child needs to be one that we realize that one day this child is going to leave my protective care, leave my home and go out in the world, and I want them to have the most important things. And what is that? It's God. It's a genuine, real relationship with God. I don't want my children to have my faith. I want them to have their own faith. I want them to have a relationship with, with God that is real to them, that they know that God lives, that God desires for them, that God has a plan for them, that he has a son named Jesus Christ, and he's their personal Savior. We want our children to leave home one day and have that. And I don't know if we've had much more of an instructive type time than we're going to have this morning as we think about these things, but what does it really mean to release our child or to dedicate our child to God, to give our child back to God? Like you, I've had a few moments in my time when I'd like to give my child back. Just kidding. But, um, you know, in, in, in all sincerity, we truly need to give our children back to God and realize that He owns them, that they're His precious, precious treasure. So what does it really mean this morning as we talk about dedicating our children to God? And I don't want you to miss this this morning because you're not going to be one of the couples, precious couples standing up here in just a little bit with a little baby. It's never too late. Let me say that again. It's never too late to dedicate your children to the Lord, no matter how old they are. And maybe you've already done it, but you know, we hear about people all the time rededicating their lives. It's never too late to rededicate our children and to give our children consistently back to God. I've had experiences my whole life raising my children, constantly giving my children to God, realizing, hey, God, I can't be there with them today, but you are. So I'm giving her to you today. I'm giving my son to you today. I'm asking you to protect my son. He's in your hands, God, as he's a police officer, or my daughter's traveling abroad, wherever it might be. So it's never too late for us to dedicate our children to God. <clears throat> in the Bible, we see all kinds of examples of Bible heroes dedicating their children to God. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah. Hannah was a precious woman that we're going to read about here in just a moment that could not have a child. And as you know, in the Old Testament, it was definitely a shame upon a woman if she could not bear children. So she felt that shame, but she desired more than anything else to have a precious baby. So she prayed. She even went to the temple and prayed with the priest Eli that God would give her a baby. And then she made this covenant with God. She said, God, if you give me a baby... I will dedicate that baby to you forever. I'll dedicate that baby to you. You know what God did? He gave her a baby. If you found your way to 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 24. Stand with me this morning, if you will, out of reverence and respect to the reading of God's holy word. Samuel 1, 1 Samuel 1, verse 24. And this is after Hannah had already had her baby. It says, Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her. With three bulls, one ephah of flour and skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the child to Eli, and that was the priest. And she said, O oh, oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood before you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore I also will have lent him to the Lord. 
As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your holy word. Father, speak to our hearts this morning, Father, that we might see, Father, your plan for our lives, Father, and the lives of our children. And Father, I pray right now, Lord, that the individuals in this room right now, Father, would leave here touched by you, Father, and realizing a greater truth, Father, about raising children than they had when they entered into this place. Father, we thank you now once again for this most precious time together. Father, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we delve a little bit deeper into this thing, I want to encourage you maybe if you have a pencil or pen or a little scratch piece of paper, I believe that God's going to give us all this morning some insight into raising children that you don't want to miss, that you might want to take home and ponder and think about and pray over with your spouse and with your children. But I mentioned a moment ago that God over and over showed people to dedicate their Lord back to them. Think about Jesus Christ. We read this in, in Luke 2, verse 22. This is Mary and Joseph. Now when the days of her purification, Mary speaking, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Mary and Joseph dedicated Jesus, the Son of God, back to God. They said, hey, I'm presenting Jesus here this morning and giving him to you, God. We're dedicating Jesus Christ here this morning to you, God. And how about the story of Abraham? We all know that story. Abraham, the man that God had pulled out, from a pagan land and said, hey, I want you to leave this land and I want you to follow me. He said, okay. If nothing else, Abraham was a faithful man. He loved God. He trusted God. And then one day, then one day God showed up and said, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac to the mountain Moriah and I want you to sacrifice him on that mountain. Are you kidding me? I don't know if I got that word, if I could do that. But Abraham loved God so very much he did it. He said, I'll do it. Listen to this. It comes out of Genesis 22. It says, and then he said, this is God speaking, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood and the, for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey and the lad, and the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you later. God told Abraham to take his son Isaac to the Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. Abraham said, okay, the next morning he got up and left. At the base of that mountain, he told the servants that were sitting there with the donkey, he said, wait here, I'm going up to worship God. Why could Abraham do that? Why could Abraham give his only, most precious son to God, sacrifice him, kill him? You know why? Because God, because Abraham loved God. He knew God and he loved God. And he trusted God. We're talking about trust here. Abraham trusted God. He was willing to do whatever, even if it was sacrifice. You know, the significance behind this whole story is Sarah, his wife, Isaac's mother was 90 years old when they had a baby. They waited for a long time. They'd been promised this baby. They even made mistakes along the way with Ishmael. Do you know, Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100 years old when God gave him Isaac. They'd waited all those years. The most precious gift, all, all the blessings that God had promised uh, Abraham, all the covenants that God had promised Abraham revolved around Isaac. 
God, are you crazy? How could you say that after all these promises, after all these years waiting for this baby, you want me to kill him? He loved God so very much that he was willing to sacrifice even his most beloved and precious son. It's tough for you and I to raise kids today. It really is. It's very tough. I had difficulty. You have, you've had difficulty, I'm sure, trying to help our kids understand truth, helping our children make the right decisions, especially helping our children to see things in such a way as when they leave home someday, they're going to make good decisions as well. They're going to have good judgment. They're going to head in the right direction. I have seen so many broken marriages in my life, not just as a pastor, but even before as a pastor, but seen so many broken marriages, so many horrendously hard marriages. One of the things I prayed about all my life for my children was that they'd marry well. They'd marry a godly person that would lead that home in a godly way. You know what? God has answered my prayer so far, and I'm praying that for the rest of my children. That God would bless my children and protect them. Because why? Because I know it's tough out there in this world. It's brutal in that world. There's a lot of sadness and brokenheartedness and hopelessness in this world, and I don't want my children to have to experience that to an extent where it would alter their life. We all have those moments, but I don't want that to define their life because of bitterness because of brokenness, because of hard times and hopelessness. It's tough to raise children nowadays. But I want to give you four thoughts here about dedicating your children. I believe that will change your paradigm about dedicating your children. Reason number one, giving your children to God is confirmation of your love of God. Just like Abraham. Think about that. Abraham was willing to give his only truly treasure in this world. Isaac, he was willing to give him up because he loved God so much. The greatest commandment of all things to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. What does that mean? It means above all else, I love God. I trust God. I've given God my life. I'm giving God my children's life. We dedicate our children to God. It means that I'm confirming the fact that I love God. I truly love Him. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do we know God well enough to truly, truly love Him and trust Him? Do we? Do we understand these things? Abraham literally, totally, irrevocably gave his son Isaac to God. Abraham loved God more than his most prized earthly possession. The first thing that we need to say to God when we give our children to him is, God, I love you above all else. I want to confirm, God, I'm placing my child back in your hands because I trust you. And I love you. I love you of all else. God, there's nobody else that will care for my child more than me than you. You're the only one, God. You have my child's best interest at heart. God, you have my child in your eyesight. You have your hand upon my child, God. So I'm giving him to you totally and completely. The first thing that we do when we dedicate our child to is to say that that, God, I love you more than even my most precious child here. I want the best for my child, so I'm giving them back to you. I want to tell you a little precious story. You've heard part of it before. As a pastor and a friend of many families here, I get a lot of graduation announcements, and I'm so blessed to get those and so thankful, and I have always pray for the young people graduating that God would continue his plan for life. I received this about two weeks ago in the mail. It says, class of 16, 
Madison Freitas. Madison Freitas is her name. Beautiful child. 18 years old. 19 years ago, her mother worked for me. This is a part of the story you've heard before. She came in one day to work and told me that she was pregnant. She didn't know what to do. She was very emotional and said, I'm not sure what to do, but I'm thinking about having an abortion. So I said, well, let's, let's really pray and think about that before you do it. And so we talked to her for a while. I brought my wife down to the restaurant there, and she met with her for a while, went to the crisis pregnancy center. And by God's divine appointment, God showed her that was not the way to go. Tammy, her mom, didn't have a place to live, so we took her into our home. My children grew up around her. I was kind of concerned how my children going to see this thing. You know, what a blessing for them to get to know this mom and then ultimately the baby. And the mom made the right choice. Her mom began going to church with us. We were at Grove Avenue Baptist Church then in my Sunday school class. Got saved after Sunday school class one day. You've heard this part of the story before too. After she prayed that prayer, she looked up. There's another man sitting there with me, and I led her to the Lord, and she looked up and says, does that mean that all my sins are forgiven? I said, absolutely. She affirmed the fact that she's so thankful that she did not have an abortion. We've been in contact with Tammy, the mom here, this last couple months here. She's moved back to Richmond. She was living in Atlanta all these years, moved back to Richmond here. But to realize, because of that mom's desire to do the right thing by God, Ended up that uh, Maddie, who's the little girl's name that was born, uh, was adopted by my best friend from the Marines and his wife. They live in Nevada today. Sent us a graduation announcement. I look at that picture and realize there's a life that almost wasn't there. But for God, God got in the middle of it. When we commit our children to God, you know what we're saying? God first, not convenience, not my own personal being first, not even my children first, God first. I want to do what God wants me to do first and foremost. The second reason that we need to dedicate our children to the Lord is this. Giving your children to God is clarification of ownership. (laughs) Who truly owns my child? When we give our child back to God, we're declaring first and foremost that this child is a gift from God. Secondly, we're declaring that this child does not belong to me. It's on loan. We also realize that this child, because it doesn't belong to me, it belongs to God. I want God to have my child. I want God to be involved in my child's life. I want to tell God that I've given you the leadership. I want to tell you this personal thought. As a dad, I've made a lot of mistakes. Do you know what I thank God for every time, every day? Is that he covers up my mistakes. Because I gave my child to God when I don't do the right things or I do things that aren't the, for the best of my child, which unfortunately I have done a couple times, I realize that God covered it up. God made the difference. God covered that hurt or God protected my child from that or God did this or that. But I realize that because God is first and foremost in my children's life, I'm giving him all the glory and all the credit. But also I'm saying, God, I'm finite. I'm flesh, I'm weak, God, but you're strong, so I'm giving you my child because I want my child to be all that you want to do. I don't want to goof it up. I don't want to make a mistake here, God. I want you to take my child here and do great, mighty things. 
Think about Jeremiah 1.5. You can read that before, but it says this. God talking to Jeremiah. He's wanting to encourage Jeremiah and let him know, I've got a plan for your life. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. God's telling Jeremiah here, told David the same thing in Psalms 139, that I knew you before you were formed. I knew you and I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you before your parents even began to even think about you. And I also set you apart. God has a plan for our children. God has set our children apart. God has given our children a, a, a future and a purpose. God has done a great work by giving us these children, but he has an incredible plan for our children. We have two choices. We can join God with him and help raise our children for his glory, or we can kind of go in our own direction. But when we give our children to God, we're truly clarifying the fact that he is the owner of our child. I'm talking about trust here. We mentioned that a moment ago. But do I truly know God well enough to trust him with our child? My oldest daughter, Jillian, she's 19 years old, got a call and invited to go on a mission trip to Uganda for six weeks. Amy and I had been there a year before, and we knew that wasn't the safest trip in the world, but she got a call to go down there with another 19-year-old to go to Uganda for six weeks. I'm starting to think, well, <laughs> I don't know how our dad feels about this. Kind of a little nervous about it, but you know my daughter was so excited about it. She was going with this other little girl who was the daughter of Rick Vi, many of you know him. And they were going over there to help establish an orphanage in that area for God, a godly orphanage. And so we prayed about it. And you know what God taught me in all the middle of all that? Where do I want my child to be besides the center of God's will? You know, something could happen to my daughter driving home from having dinner with a friend downtown in Richmond. Why would I think that God's not going to protect her halfway around the world? Why would I think for a moment that I've placed my daughter in the center of God's will and desire to keep her there? I've given my daughter to God Almighty. Why wouldn't I trust God to take care of her no matter where she's at? The other thing that kind of illuminated my mind, I've probably thought about this before, but it didn't really come home and hit home with me until I realized, you know, sending her to Uganda where she wants to go right now to serve God, as opposed to staying home here and working at some job in the summertime to make money for college or something, what would be the, big, the, the more closely lined up center of God's will? Definitely Uganda. Going to, and, and it was such an incredible trip. She saw things she would never seen here. She was used by God way beyond her abilities. She came home totally changed for the glory of God because of the things she'd seen and done and how God had changed her life. A lot of times, those parents, I think we have a hard time releasing our children to do something that we can't put our finger on or we can't hold closely or we can't control. Well, you know what? God controls everything. I don't. Why wouldn't I allow God to take my child to Uganda, my, my second daughter, Malaysia, and around the world? Why wouldn't I allow that to happen? It would be because I have not released my child to God. I haven't come to understand that God is in control. God is in control. You know, we need to work as hard as we can to help our children understand what God's will looks like. And help them understand that there's no better place in all the world, listen very carefully, no better place in all the world than to have our children operating in the center of God's will. To be there. Why? Listen very carefully. Because God's plan is perfect. My plan is not perfect, not even for my own life. I can't even begin to figure out my plan half the time. But God's plan is perfect. So my desire in life is to figure out God's plan for my life, but also help my children come to realize that I want to understand God's plan for my life. 
I want God to be in charge of my children. I want my children to seek God first, not seek me. I'm thankful they talked to me. Thankful they asked me for advice. You know most of my advice? comes from here. I'll pick out a scripture and I'll talk to them about something that God taught me or God showed me in the holy word there that I might be able to understand God's word better as I share it with them. Hannah, the story we just read, gave up what was so precious to her, what she cherished the most because she wanted the best for Samuel. When we think about clarification of ownership, I want to tell you another little story. I asked him this morning for permission to share a little bit of this, but on February 24, 2010, Amy and I got a call from her niece. And her niece said, uh, Aunt Amy, I had a baby this morning. We didn't know she was pregnant. I had a baby this morning. It was her second baby, unfortunately, out of wedlock. And uh, she said, I called my dad. My dad said, I cannot bring the baby home. It's a little boy. My dad said, you need to call Aunt Amy and Uncle Gary. This is this, because they'll know what to do. We didn't know what to do. But we knew who did, God. And so we said, well, don't, Amy told her, don't do anything at the hospital as far as giving your baby away or making any agreements or with social services. Just tell them you're working on the situation right now. And so she said, okay. And uh, I just finished the Bible study down in Ashland there. And so she called me back again. She said, hey, Emily is the mom's name. Said She just called and said they want a name for the baby. What kind of name? You know what name I gave the little baby? I, I take the credit for this. You read it this morning, Samuel. You know why? Because I realized that little baby could possibly have a really hard road, hard road to take. And I wanted to, God put on my mind right away, Samuel, by the Bible. Because Samuel's mom dedicated Samuel to the Lord. Samuel means the name of God. That's what that name means. But the essence of that story is that Samuel was a little baby that was dedicated to the Lord before he was even born. And so we said, give him the name of Samuel. This was on a Friday. So we'll work through his details. And so a number of things, and one call was made to the Wiser family. And personal good friends of ours for many years. We knew that they had struggled to have a baby. And so Amy called them and said, Hey, I'd like to get a call like this. Would you like a baby? I think it took Sherry about two seconds to say yes. But she said, Let me check with my boss and my, with my partner here and make sure it's okay. So she called Laird and called us right back and said, Absolutely, we want a baby. So this is on a Friday morning. Sunday after church, uh, Amy and my daughter Abby and Connie Keen, if you see her drove up to meet my two uh, sister-in-laws. They had got the baby from the hospital coming south on the New Jersey Turnpike and uh, brought that baby down here. And they met him in the middle of the New Jersey Turnpike. And they brought the baby back. Sunday night, they knocked on Sharon Laird's door and said, Hey, here's Samuel. The, clarifi- the clarification of ownership of the baby means that you're going to dedicate that baby to him because God... God on Samuel. You know what happened just this last February? Samuel celebrated his sixth birthday. Precious son. Isn't that neat? 
thank God for Samuel. Hey, the third reason that we need to dedicate our children, giving your children to God is a commitment to raise your children God's way. You know, we live in a world where the world stays at odds with God's divine standards. I think many of us are kind of almost um, shocked. We're definitely repulsed by how sad the world is changing and how quickly it's changing in the wrong direction. God's word, though, has called you and I out to live at a much higher level. To live that level, and, you know, we've had years of experience, and I'm sure years of making some wrong decisions, but, you know, through it all, God has seen us through. And we thank God for his presence in our lives. We thank God for mothers. But how can we truly raise children in a godly manner? If you have your pencils, these are things that I think are worthy of writing down, and maybe some of the things you're already doing, some of them maybe you haven't thought about right now in your life. But I want to give you seven thoughts this morning about how to commit to raising your children how to have that godly home, how to have a home where God is present and your children grow up. And listen about the end result we talked about a few moments ago. The end result for our children is that they grow up and they have a genuine, real relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't just have a relationship with you dragging them to church on Sunday mornings and that's it. I'm here to tell you our children do not stand to have a high prospect of having that genuine relationship if all they have is church in their life, okay? We try our best. We have great teachers here. We have great opportunities, great experiences. But our children need that faith lived out at home. They need to see God in the home. It can't just be a one-day experience. If it is, they're more than likely, listen very carefully, they're going to miss it. They're going to miss what they have. Thought number one is be a godly parent. Be a godly parent. The Apostle Paul tells us how to do that. He says, set your affections on things above. He says, put on your new self. Paul says, walk in a manner of the calling which, for which you've been called. Paul over and over tells us how to live that godly life. Listen very carefully. Our children need to see the most godly people that they know in their parents. Why not be that person for them? Why not be that benchmark? Why not be that foundation for our children that they see God in their parents? If you're a single parent, I understand that. Sometimes happens. So you have a double responsibility to be twice the godly parent that you could share with somebody else if you happen to have that spouse in your house. We need to be the example to our children. They need to see the fact that my mom and my dad love God. It's apparent. It's demonstrated. Thought number two, we need to personally teach our children Jesus Christ. Personally teach our children Jesus Christ. We cannot abdicate that full responsibility to the church. We're going to help you. Come alongside you. We're here to support you. Here to sit down and talk to you about it. Talking about it this morning. You've heard for years now about one of the things I love to do in a restaurant. The meal comes at the table and I say, hey, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Thinking I'm going to ask for ketchup or something. I say, hey, we're going to say a blessing right now for our meal. Is there something that I can pray for you about or we can pray for you about? Over and over and over again, the whole restaurant stops. The whole world stops. All of a sudden, why? Because God just got introduced to the middle of a busy restaurant. They sit and ponder. This happened Thursday morning in Tennessee. I was down there for a personal situation with our family. And we were having breakfast at Cracker Barrel, my daughter and my mother and I. And the waitress comes up to the table, brings the breakfast, and I ask her that question. She starts crying. Starts crying profusely. She happened to be probably about 48 or so. She said, I had cancer when I was 25 years old. And God saved me from it. It's in remission. But I've been having some problems in my neck, and I went back to the doctor a couple weeks ago, and the cancer's returned. 
And she's very, very upset about this. And so I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I said, we want to pray for you right now. And I look at my mom and my daughter, and you know what? They both have tears in their eyes. Listen slowly. My children grew up hearing us say that for decades. My children also, when we went to a restaurant when they were real young, said, Dad, Dad can I do the restaurant question today? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's living that example. And I'm not bragging on myself because I was stupid for a lot of years, and I didn't start doing that until my children were probably halfway through elementary school. But listen, what are you doing in your life to demonstrate Jesus Christ? Let me tell you the rest of the story about that waitress. Her name is Lori. And she wanted to know if she could get my phone number so she could call me and tell me the rest of the God story. I said, I know there's going to be a God story here, Lori. He, he was there once for you. He's going to be with you all the way. So talk to her as best I could, wanting to be an encouragement to her. I gave her my business card. She said, I'll definitely call you after my next visit to the doctor. Thank you, God, for that. But think about this. What an incredible privilege, first and foremost, to be a witness for Jesus Christ in the middle of a restaurant in a foreign city in Tennessee. It's not my home. But to be there and bring God into a situation where God was not really talked about at the moment. She was, a, she was a believer. She knew Jesus Christ. She knew that God got her through the first time around. But even more than that, think about this. The example that I can be as a dad, and Amy's done the same thing, to our children. That this is what it looks like to be a practicing Christian in this world. Care about other people. The third thought. Keep your child in church. You know, it, it concerns me as a pastor. So many people have come to our church and then drop out. We found about found out somebody else just yesterday that had left our church about four months ago and is not going to church. Really? You know, as a parent, shame on me, but double shame on me if I'm a parent and have children that still live in my charge and I don't go to church and take them with me. I don't exhibit that. I don't model that to my children, how important church is. If I was not the pastor of this church, you know what? I'd be a member of this church because I love this church. But I'd be going to church someplace if I didn't live here anymore. Why? Because it's who I am. That's my life, my life with God. And I want that to be the life of my children. So why wouldn't you go to church and bring your children to church? It's just that important. But think about this too. We also need to lead the way. We need to be the examples in our children's lives. We need to be the... the uh, individuals in our children's lives that more than anybody else realizes how important church is. And if you go to a church someplace and you just don't feel like it's the right church for you, then go find another one. There's nothing wrong with that. I advocate all the time. There's a lot of great churches out there. But find a church where you feel like, man, this is my church for me. I, I feel God is there. The Holy Spirit's there. I'm seeing lives change. I realize they have a calling on that church that's important. It's biblical. They want to reach people for Christ. They want to go out and share the gospel around the world. Find a church right now that's really a church. It's not a social club. It's not some place where just 50 people go and they like it because nobody new comes in and bothers or stirs up the pot. Go to some church someplace where God is being exalted. The next thought. Love your child unconditionally. What does that mean? Love your child unconditionally. Does God love you unconditionally? You better believe it. I don't care how many mistakes I make. You know what? There's one thing in that's solid in my life. I realize God still loves me. I apologize. I ask for forgiveness. I confess my sins to God. But I realize nothing's going to take my relationship away from God and me because of Jesus Christ. Our children need to be that solid in the relationship. You may in your mind be saying, you know, I love my kids. There's no doubt about it. Well, do you show it? Or do you make them feel like if they don't get good grades, they're not worthy of existence in your home or 
worthy of your praise or worthy of your... You know, it's, it's a difficult, tough balance there to balance these things. But above all else, listen very carefully, even in the essence of disciplining our child, they need to realize there's unconditional love. And maybe not during the discipline, but afterwards, you say, now, I want you to realize that I love you so much, I don't want you going in the wrong direction. I love you so much that I want you to understand that there's good things in this world that are going to be good for you and things that aren't good for you. And right now, while you're living in my home, I want to take the time to help you understand what's good and what's not good. Unconditional love, though. They need to leave your home one day and realize, I know that God loves me, and you know what else? I know that my mom and my dad love me, too. There's no doubt in my mind that nothing can ever stop me from being their daughter or their son. The next thing is, train this child. Train your child. Train him up. Well, what does that mean? It means, listen very carefully, that don't think that just what they get in Sunday school and church is all they need is the Bible. How many times have you opened up the Bible and sat down with them and talked about the Bible? How many times have you guys gone home and taken some notes maybe in your Sunday school class or your church and gone home, let's talk about this. Hey, we talked about this in church today or talked about it in Sunday school class. I thought it was a great point. Let's talk about this for a minute today at lunch, guys. How many times at a meal period in your home do you talk about God? Is he present at your table? I'm sure many of you say a prayer before you meet, but it, it could be so much more than that. We've had devotional books of the years and had the kids share doing devotions. They're children's devotional books, so they get to read the devotion that day, and then we talk about it. As we got older, we did different devotions here or there. Were we 100% consistent? No. Well, listen, it needs to be there more than it's not. Talking about God more than it's not. Having that relationship with God that's very evident in our lives. Here's a big one. I think this is point number six. Thought number six. Stay married forever. Mom and dad, stay married forever. And I don't want to make you feel bad today if you haven't been that way, but listen very carefully. If you're married today, even if you made a mistake in the past, stay married now forever. God forgives all sins. doesn't mean that your child's going to turn out backwards or not right because you didn't stay married, but one of the greatest things we can give our children is a marriage that they realize this marriage is as solid as anything else in the world. And then finally, number seven, make your home a holy place. Make your home a holy place. I've kidded about before where, you know, we can all come to church and kind of fake it. You may be even driving to the parking lot here, here in the morning and having a massive fight with your spouse and your kid's present. Nah, 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 nah. All of a sudden, there's Sash Basari out there waving at you. Oh, good morning, Sash. And, uh, and you pull up the driveway here, and there's a couple of greeters out front. Dave Burby's out front or somebody's out front here greeting him. Hey, good morning, Dave. And um, go to Sunday school and church. Morning, Pastor. Morning, guys. Get back in your car. As soon as you pull out the driveway. Nah, 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 nah. Your home needs to reflect God. Listen very carefully. Even more so than anywhere else in your life. I'm more concerned, listen very carefully, I'm more concerned about my appearance and my who I am in, at my dinner table than I am standing right here, okay? Because that's my most important ministry. My kids have been asked before, is your dad the same at home as he is at church? And praise God, they've said, yes, he is. Because why? Because I want to be. I want to be like that for my kids. I want my kids to see this. If I make mistakes at home, absolutely. But more than that, I want them to see God in me. You all familiar with the verse in Matthew 7? It says this. It's talking about building your house on sand or building it on the rock. 
Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock, Jesus Christ. We have an incredible blessing, privilege, and opportunity to show our children what a godly home should look like, a home that they'd want to see in their house. You know, a number of months ago, maybe a year ago or so, I think you've heard this before too, but Matthew was, and I were talking about marriage. And he's not close to it, thank you, God. But I asked him, do you thought about somebody that you'd like to marry someday? You know what he said? Somebody like Marty. I thought, what a great preaching point. But our children should want to find somebody like their mom and their dad, respectively, that they want to marry someday because I love the way my dad loved me. I love the way my mom loved me. I love the way they led this home. I love the way they taught us. I love the things we did for fun. And our home was a, fla- it was a holy place, first and foremost. But it was a place where God was exalted. But it was also a happy place and a fun place. We need to read the Word. We need to believe the Word. We need to defend the Word. We need to live the Word. We need to teach the Word in such a way as that we expose these to our children relentlessly. They need to see it constantly. They need to see that God and Mom love the Word. As we dedicate our children to the Lord, we need to realize that we're dedicating them to God Almighty through Jesus Christ, but also to His Holy Word. You and I are called as parents, moms today, we're thinking about you, as models of eternal truth. I am modeling in my life today eternal truth. But also I want you to realize this, the most important models of salvation to our children is who? It's us. Why would I want to be saved and I see how my mom and dad act? I want to be saved because I see the way my mom and dad act. Because when I see what they have, they have this confidence, they have this power in Jesus Christ. They have this peace. They have this comfort in Jesus Christ. I want to see my children have those things. You know, one of the neatest things I've seen over the years here, I've had the privilege to baptize my children. But I've afforded men in this church given the opportunity to baptize their children. When their children make a decision to have their fathers in that water and baptize their children. What a privilege for dad to model that Christian walk and one day see his own child come to know Jesus Christ. The greatest opportunity besides your own personal salvation as a parent is to see your child come to know Jesus Christ. And then to be involved in their baptism. To be there with them in the water and, and talk to them about their decision and then actually baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. What a privilege. Listen to this. I've also had fathers through the years come to me and say, you know, I was baptized when I was a kid. But I don't really remember that. You know, I, I can remember it a little bit, but I don't know that I understood what I was doing back then. Would it be wrong for me to be baptized again? Absolutely not. Because I truly understand what I have now in Jesus Christ. And I want to say to the whole world, I am truly a believer in Jesus Christ. And I want to be baptized again to let the world know as well that I desire to walk in greater obedience. But I've also shared with these fathers. I said, you know what? That's going to be a monumental, incredible witness to your children. This can be a moment they never forget. You know what? When I was eight years old, my father came to know Jesus Christ. And I remember seeing him get baptized in a big church. I'll never forget that. 
three years later, I wanted to do that. In large part, I believe, because my dad did it. What an incredible model. Our commitment to serve the Lord and our commitment to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of Jesus Christ is huge. The final thought here. Let me review these with you just for a second here. When we give our children to God, it's confirming our love of God. We give our children to God, it's also clarification that we know that He owns them. We give our children to God, it's a commitment from you and I to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of Jesus Christ. And finally, giving our children to God Almighty is claiming God's plan and promises for our children. Claiming God's plan and promises for our children. I claim those promises to my children in my prayers. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It's plan to prosper and plans to grow you, plans not to harm you, plans for your future. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, our eyes haven't seen, our ears haven't heard, nor our mind conceived the plans that God has for us. God has incredible plans for our children. I look at all these babies getting dedicated today, my own little precious grandchild. Realize we can't even begin to imagine the plans that God has for these young children. You know, kids have a free will. They really do. We know that, that our parents. They have a free will. And they also learn very early in life the word no, which is a good word. But kids have that free will. But listen very carefully. When we dedicate our children to the Lord, God is also going to help direct their paths, help them understand where they're going, show them the, the things they need to see. He's also going to close the doors that don't need to be walked through. He's going to open those properly for our children. So we need to realize that I can't control my children in all things. I can't even control my children, child in high school. I've shared a little bit with you about Jonathan. I came to a point in my life when I realized that I wasn't in a position right now to affect Jonathan. So we sent him to a Christian school, a boys' school. You know what God's doing down there? He called us about three months ago and said, You know what, Dad? I just really prayed to receive Christ this time for the first time, I think. He'd done it years ago here in our church, but he said, God, I, I realize it now. I realize that you're in my ways. I realize that you don't know what you've lost until you lose it, what you have until you lose it. God is at work in a great way, and I praise God for that, that I gave my son to God. I realized that I wasn't being a good dad. I didn't know how to be a good dad to him at the moment because he just had a lot of issues that I couldn't get around, couldn't wrap my arms around. But I said, God, I've got to give them back to you. You know what God did? God opened up a Christian school on full scholarship for us. Go figure. Was God involved in that program? You better believe it. I want to share this last story in conclusion. It comes out of Joshua 24. You know the story already. Joshua had done a great work honoring God, being faithful to God all these years. came to the end of his life, and he gathered all these Israelites together, and he made one final speech to them. But he realized the nation of Israel didn't get it. There was many of them kind of straying and going back and worshiping other gods, but he wanted to go on record for how he was going to live his life. This needs to be a record, men in the room right now, moms as well, but men especially. Then we need to go on the record just like Joshua did here at the end of his life in front of the entire nation. We need to do the same thing for our nation. It says this in Joshua 24:14. This is Joshua speaking. Now for fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And he continues in verse 15. It says this. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord... Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which are on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think many of you have that little saying on your, on your plaque in your home. 
What a great, great foundational statement for your house. That as for me and my house, moms and dads, as for our house, we're going to serve the Lord here. And serve them. Serve them by giving our children back to God.